What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this rip of Tales from the Crypt. Sat back down with the Zebedee and Mint Gox teams. Desiree Dickerson from Lightning Labs slash Mint Gox and Mint Gox, not slash. Christian Moss from Zebedee and Michael Tidwell from Zebedee as well. First time having Michael on the podcast. Great conversation about how the Lightning Network infused product that Zebedee has built is working with their CSGO servers. They've uh, amassed a, a pretty large community of gamers playing CSGO for sats. It's pretty insane. Thousands, over 10,000 people playing now. Uh, we talk about the, the ways in which the players are farming for sats, the incentive structures built in the game, how they're sort of iterating on the product as they learn about user tendencies, as they try to stack as many sats as possible, the slang around it, the technical infrastructure necessary to make this all work, and then they talk about what's going to be going down a Bitcoin 2021, biggest Bitcoin-enabled esports event ever. So if you freaks are in Miami, make sure you stop by uh, the esports uh, arena that's going to be at the conference. And check it out. Everything seems pretty dope. This rip was brought to you by our good friends at Cash Up. Cash Up, sell you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, sell sats. If you so please, we're saying sats. Sats, sats. Sats, 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 sats. Sats, sats, sats. Sats, 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 sats. Because we're trying to fix the unit bias. The unit bias. That Unix bias. I wish there was a Unix bias. At least for our critical infrastructure. Seem to have a Microsoft bias, but we're fixing the unit bias. There's 100 million sats in one Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a fraction of Bitcoin. You can stack whole sats as little as $1 on the cash app. You can DCA in the sats. You can buy daily, weekly, bi-weekly. You can set it and forget it that way. You can get your paychecks direct deposited into the app. They're offering account numbers or rallying numbers. It can become your bank account. They've got their beautiful boost card. Great conversation starter. If you put a little Bitcoin sign on that, maybe not so good OPSEC-wise. So weigh that trade off for yourself personally. Can you protect yourself? They've got their boost program already mentioned. So if you haven't downloaded the Cash App yet, make sure you do so using the code StackingSats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10. And $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. Not that dirty dirtbag owl. We totally... Took something Matt and I said on Rabbit Hole Recap out of context and spreading rumors on Twitter. He's a dirty, dirty individual. These $10 are going to go to Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse. Woo! 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 This rip was also... <coughs> Excuse me. Brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to give you freaks a lending platform. Lend at Hoddle Hoddle is a new non-custodial... Bitcoin-packed lending platform that allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing between users globally, anonymously, and on your own terms. No KYC, no AML. You have part custody of the escrow account when you set it up, and it's available to U.S. clients. So the way it works is you put your Bitcoin as collateral in a multi-sig escrow. You hold one key. Your counterparty holds one key. Hoddle Hoddle holds the third key. Uh, the beauty of this is that since you hold a key, you have visibility into the wallet in which your sats are being held over the duration of the loan, so you can be sure that it's not being rehypothecated, being lent out without your knowledge. You know that it's locked in that escrow. As long as you're paying uh, your your loan out, you're paying your 
your payments back over the duration of that loan. You're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. So you, you put your Bitcoin as collateral, you get stable coins in return. Then you can go spend them how you see fit. And uh, if you're paying back the loan again, you get your Bitcoin back. If you want to lend your stable coins out to Bitcoiners looking for liquidity, you can do so by entering the other side of that order book and you'll get some interest in return. So create your own offers. Set your own terms on lend.hodlhodl.com. Again, non-custodial, no KYC, no AML. You make the terms with your partner. It's pretty beautiful. Shout out to Hoddle Hoddle. You got some big news on the horizon too, I believe. Look out for that. This rip is also brought to you by our good friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining's looking to take the complexity out of mining for individuals. They want more individuals mining. And the way they're doing that is they're setting up a platform which you go into compassmining.io, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G.io. You pick a mining model. You pay for the miner. Then you go, you pick a hosting facility with competitive electricity cost. So you're not plugging it in your house, paying, paying above 10 cents in some places, heating up your house, loud noises to make your wife, your girlfriend, your cat, your dog angry at you. You send it to a hosting facility with competitive electricity prices. So you buy the miner, you pick the hosting facility, Compass Miner Mining acquires the miner, plugs it in at that facility, and then they start streaming sats to an account of your choice. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So go check them out at compassmining.io. We have a special link in the show notes that helps us out if you use that, if you're thinking about using Compass Mining. So if you are, Check out that link. Last but not least, this episode was brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains. B-R-A-I-I-N-S. Double I. Never forget the double I, freaks. Never forget the double I. Brains is the team behind Slush Pool. All right? Slush Pool. Oldest mining pool in the Bitcoin space. Ever heard of it? Pretty legendary. We're not here. Well, we are here to talk about Slush Pool a little bit. But mainly what we're here to talk about is the Brains OS Plus Manager. All right? Brains offers firmware, Brains OS Plus, uh, for miners. So for particular models, if you have a model that's Brains OS Plus firmware compatible, you download the Brains OS Plus firmware on your miner and it helps you stack more sats. It's as simple as that. And if you're doing that, they just released the Brains OS Plus Manager, a new online platform that enables miners to remotely monitor and manage all their ASICs running Brains OS Plus. It's going to help you improve uptime and keep your farms running optimally without the hassle of needing on-site 24-7 support we know how annoying on-site 24 7 support can be it's annoying the brains os plus manager helps here it also will be free for all brains os plus miners and you can connect to a number a limited excuse me an unlimited number of devices whether you want it to be your phone your tablet your laptop you can always have visibility into what's going on your manager on the go at your desk Security and efficiency were top priorities. Brains OS Plus Manager uses Stratum V2 for smaller and less frequent data transfers with all ASIC configuration telemetry data being sent via encrypted connections with protect against eavesdropping a man in the middle attacks. Don't let people jack your hash, freaks. Leveraging Stratum V2 to send these these this data via encrypted connections is very important. Don't get your hash rate jacked. Be responsible. Get every sat you can out of every hash that you're producing. Don't let people jack your hash. For details on the manager and how to get it set up with your mining operation, go to brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com slash blog and check out the Brains OS Plus Manager launch article. Again, that's brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. And then again, Slush Pool is going to get a major update 
soon here. Don't know when. Uh, hasn't been launched yet, obviously, but it's going to include ultra flexible payout system, customizable mining reward splitting, and best of all, dark theme. Make sure you're managing that hash rate and your eyes are okay. Follow at slush underscore pool on Twitter to see the announcement when the pool update goes live and enjoy this rip with the Zebedee and Mint Gox team. We're building the future, freaks. People are like, oh, Bitcoin's not interoperable with all these other all these other blockchains, these cryptocurrencies. We don't need a, a bartering token economy, freaks. We don't need it. Bitcoin's becoming interoper- interoperable with the internet stack, with video games, with VoIP, with podcasting, RSS feeds. That's where the signal is. That's where the interoperable signal is. Enjoy. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. The the Zoom, this meeting is just being recorded, just like literally started happening today. It's really throwing me off. Very excited for this episode. Sitting back down with the Zebedee team and the Mint Gox team, Desiree from Mint Gox and Lightning Labs, Christian from Zebedee, and new guest, Michael Tidwell. Very excited to have Michael on the podcast from Zebedee as well. What's going on? Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. I was telling the story of uh, how we DJ Seeds became the developer for tftc.io and our bitcoinization of the the website and the stack and you were involved we were in fidei drinking beers with dan anderson and dj was there he was like 19 at the time and i believe i was feeding him beers which is illegal so yeah i I don't remember that part i i don't remember you giving any underage alcohol or you know being involved in anything like that um, but I do remember giving up, I, I think you gave me 50% equity in the whole project. And I think I gave that all back over time slowly. Thank you. So, um, I need it. Yeah. We're, I wanted you to earn it back though. So now that you've, you know, made it, you know, I've, you've, you've earned it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's good. It's strange going to the States from the UK. Cause we can like drink when you're like 16 in, in, in some places and, and when you're 18, you can fully drink, but then you go to the States and you're like a kid again, but you can buy a gun or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can't have a beer. I remember going to Walmart and like you, you don't sell alcohol in your supermarkets, but they had like a, a he- Hello Kitty shotgun, which was. Yeah. Depends what state you're in. Depends what state you're in. Okay. It was Florida. Yeah. Yeah, the, American way, the American way is buying a gun before you buy your first beer. It, it's, yeah. the, it's the American way. Well, you'd be sober at least, I guess. That makes yeah, sense. Responsible gun ownership. You can't be drunk. But with that being said, there's a there's a strong teenage drinking culture in America as well. They make it illegal, and so the teens wanted it. I know I did. Um, Magical sound just happened. What was that? Oh, I don't know, but I liked it. Oh, I feel like you said this this you know magical age of underage drinking, and it was like. <laughs> got downward. Let me see if it was this one. No, it wasn't that one. It wasn't that one. Um, but enough reminiscing about teenage drinking and feeding 
teenagers beer. Uh, what's going on? Last time we talked, you guys were just about to launch the CSGO server. Um, you, you showed me a demo. You guys uh, integrated uh, like the, the Lightning Network payments, QR codes. I'm forgetting the name of that integration off the top of my head like an asshole. But uh, LN URL, but you guys had like a... You're talking about Infuse, right? Infuse. Yes, I'm talking about Infuse. Yeah. Um, uh, and Christian, we were talking before we hit record. You said you guys went from like uh, a couple users on the server to over 10,000 over a month. Yeah, like adding CSGO really basically brought in a bunch of new people from outside of Bitcoin. So we've got a bunch of like, CSGO gamers coming in and uh, they don't know anything about Bitcoin. They keep calling it stash instead of stats. They want to get more stash, like, you know. Really? So yeah, it's pretty funny, you know. But yeah, you know, it's just like it's... Um, it's a kind of thought we had at Zebedee when we initially started. It's like, I, I've kind of been involved in like Bitcoin gaming since like 2013 and even did some blockchain gaming, let's say. And like, nobody wants to play crappy games called Block Wars or like Crypto Fighters, you know, like some people do, but it's not, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's possible to make a good game. It's just very, very difficult to make a good game. So once we realize it's possible to integrate Lightning with Bitcoin into an existing game, we thought, you know, this just has to work. So yeah, CSGO was the one we chose because it's like one of the three pillars of esports gaming. It has something like 20 million active users. Yeah, so we we basically just brought it in and we're growing and we almost have to kind of slow down a bit because we can't keep up with the development, but the development is going well. What are what are these native CSGO players that are coming to your servers and in, in playing for Bitcoin? What are, what are they saying? Like, Michael, you're just mentioning Discord. I don't know if it was the Zebedee or CSGO Discord. Are people excited about it? Do they even understand what's going on? Well, like I said, um, some people do. Obviously, like the lowest hanging fruit we've got are people who like CSGO and Bitcoin, right? So we've got a lot of like people who are like into Bitcoin and like say in the 30s and like, oh my God, I haven't played CSGO in like in the years, but I'm, I'm going to start up again just because now it has bitcoin in it right and kind of justify it in, in a way so those people love it and get it the people who don't know bitcoin the first thing they kind of say is like they love getting something for playing csgo but a lot of what they say is well how do i how do i sell my stash <laughs> you know like they don't get that they want to huddle it yet they want to basically liquidate it straight away which is fine but i think they'll probably go down the, the rabbit hole in 10 years like oh my god i liquidated that bitcoin i won on csgo and you know that's like worth you know a thousand dollars now or something right you know i think we've all had that so it's kind of interesting seeing them going through the learning curve but it's just nice that they can kind of get bitcoin without having to kind of you know kyc and buy it on an exchange etc they can just have to get it by playing games right so i think it's like gaming is a great way to introduce people into bitcoin it's, yeah. it's nice seeing that happening like i've got other friends who've got into bitcoin where they've just like or let's say crypto, they've just gone to like Coinbase and downloaded it, like, like Ethereum, as they call it, or something. They always like pronounce it wrong, right? <laughs> and they're just like seeing it like, oh, it went up $5, it went down $5. But seeing people actually getting into Bitcoin through CSGO, yeah, it's quite nice to kind of um, see it being done that way. That's like the thing. I mean, that's like what does it for me where it's like, I mean, just like being at Lighting Labs and, you know, obviously being in such a kind of privileged position to see everything that's being built on Lightning and kind of in this ecosystem and thinking about, okay, how do we grow the network? How 
maybe bring more users um, on board. And then, I mean, it's just like gaming, it's just like, to me, it's just like light years ahead of like actually onboarding the masses of people. Cause it's like, think about like all the friction that's involved in buying Bitcoin, like starting it. It's like, oh, okay, like I gotta go like figure out where to buy it. There's all this like, okay, Coinbase, where do I buy it? Then it's like, okay, like, you know, like Chris said, it's like, okay, I got a KYC, I got to figure all this out. Like the, the, like the barrier to entry is so high and then you have to spend your own money. And like, there's obviously some like inherent risk involved in that, especially for someone who's not following this ecosystem. So it's like, hey, if I can just come, like the friction, the only friction is, is like actually just playing. So maybe like the friction is like getting set up on Steam or like downloading a mobile game, like one of the Thunder Games mobile games. Like it, that's the only friction, but then like you're playing the game and you're having fun. So you're already like, you know, that that's already kind of a, a net neutral. Cause it's like, okay, sure. I, you know, got up and running with the game, but now I'm having fun. And then on top of that, you're earning sats and like you're earning real value for like the fun that you're already having. So really the barrier to entry is like extremely low. Um, and so like, it, to me, it's just like literally the most logical on-ramp to onboard masses of people. And then especially with like these new generations um, of people who are like addicted to like the fast casual mobile games. And also just, you know, this like new generation of people who are kind of like beginning to socialize and like interact um, online through gaming. And so, I mean, to me, it's like, this is this is really how we're going to introduce the next generation of gamers of Bitcoiners, but then, I mean, I will also say, like, I mean, we've also always talked about how, like, the UX of Bitcoin is so bad, it's so hard, but, like, let me tell you, like, 70, like, nobody's talking about this, but this Infuse product, I am telling you, it is so easy to use. The hardest thing that I've heard from people who want to get up and, like, start playing, the hardest thing to do is, like, download Steam. Like, the, the Infuse product is so seamless, it's, like, it works every time like literally steam crashes on my computer more than like infused so it's like what they're doing is like so incredible and so seamless and I, that's that's how you know you have like good ux is that people don't give you credit because it just works um and so they they deserve all the kudos in the world for that and then the wallet is amazing too it's just so user-friendly um and really geared towards gamers so people need they need more credit just saying just to jump in there, I think just quickly uh Desiree mentioned onboarding the next generation of Bitcoiners through gaming. Des and I actually did like a presentation to fifth graders. And today I got a bunch of letters from Ohio from like fifth graders. I haven't read them yet. I think I took a look at one, but it's all these like kids, like fifth grade, how old is that? I don't know. It's like a like 10 or 11. Yeah, but they're like saying like, oh, I'm really into gaming and now I'm going to like try Bitcoin. It's really cool. I like what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. So that's like really cool to see actually so you have to post those on twitter that's adorable how did you, yeah, yeah yeah i'm gonna enjoy reading through them how did you pitch it to the fifth graders um we just I, we, I i basically i think what they liked is when we kind of did like a google hangout um i did my background like a kind of gamer kind of twitch streamer because i know like anecdotally my nephews and everything they all like the two jobs that people want to do Number one is they want to be a YouTuber. And number two is they want to like build games. So I made like, it, I think it was one of those um, career day type things. So Des and I were on 
talking about what we do so i thought you know if i have the nice background with like the mic and the gaming chair and, and the gaming lights that will get them and they seem to find that interesting um you combine gaming and youtubing these days this dude's crush it like the nick mercs of the world and well yeah well that's kind of another thing we're focusing on at zebedee is not necessarily integrating bitcoin into games per se but is integrating bitcoin into like game streaming right so what like it's we we have something called a gamer tag which if you download our wallet um at zebedee.io you can find it there um you can basically you choose a name so my name would be like mandel duck that's my avatar and then that generates me like a kind of like a static qr code tip page that you know i can point anybody to but i put that on my stream so as i stream people can kind of tip me and we're going to like do some work on that to make it a bit more interactable so when somebody tips you it'll kind of animate or something it will have some sort of reaction so i really think that that is you know i think gaming has evolved in a way it's not something you do by yourself per se it's something you do socially with people on the internet so i really think that's a great way to get people onto bitcoin because like, i think tipping was tried before it, it, tipping has always been tried in bitcoin but it's never really had that connection but i think if you combine it with like game streaming and like twitch chat and the people are talking and when they talk you can see who's paid the tip and all this kind of stuff i, I think that could really take off yeah from the podcasting side um with sphinx sphinx not sphinx sphinx uh with sphinx specifically that's actually uh one of the cooler interactions of the boost with the animation that it has we've we've accumulated more sats from boost individual boosts than actually streaming sats minute by minute um and it's it's interactive like and you can tell like at the minute mark like when people are boosting like a certain point and it comes with an animation and as people are listening it's sort of like re-watching a periscope when you see the hearts come up as you're listening it's like that yeah. so you have that sort of social cue to, to, it's it's really interesting how like the the UX and the UI, uh, particularly around animations, and incentivize particular actions from. The yeah, UX. I think like gaming devs kind of know this, right? You know, if you have like Candy Crush, it's all about making like little tunes and animations that give the slight little bit of dopamine or something, and that kind of Skinner boxing. So I think yeah, it's a. Uh, I think that's something that Bitcoin tipping kind of missed or hadn't done properly. Yeah. Do you guys miss change tip at all? <laughs> Wasn't it like that was not with Coinbase or something? Because Coinbase had one and did, 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 didn't like they, did uh, they something or one. I can't remember. Dan Held was behind Change Tip. You could just like tweet at somebody and be like, "Hey, tag." Chip. Yeah. Because Coinbase had it, but I think Coinbase dropped it because Change Tip came out or something, and then it kind of I can't remember. I have to look that up. But yeah, I remember it. But again, I, I think these are all cool ideas. But I think that's what you have with technology, right? Like. Sometimes if you're the first person to do it, it's just a little bit too early, right? You know, um, I can see that with Fold, right? So Fold, I, I, I remember when they used to do Starbucks cards, didn't they, right? Oh, yeah. We're back in the day and then, and then he disappeared and came back with, with Lightning and pivoted a bit. So it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, the kind of the first wave like of companies great, trying right? to find what works and what doesn't. Yeah. It seems like you guys are finding out what works. So let's like jump into Infuse. Like, as you mentioned steam and then fuse separately so let's talk about the workflow i know you mentioned it the first time you guys were on but what's it look like from a user perspective when you're we're going to use infuse um and play csgo that collect sats for that yeah well first thing you have to do is you have to download 
CSGO from Steam and, it, and it's free to download, right? You know, so it's, it's, it's quite easy to do. And then you just basically go to zebedee.io slash infuse and download infuse. And infuse is basically like this little widget thing that kind of loads up and it, it doesn't take up much of the screen. It just kind of sits next to or above your CSGO game. And you log into Infuse with, with Steam. Um, and then once you've logged into Infuse with Steam, it, that kind of like behind the scenes that links with your CSGO game, which you also kind of log into with Steam. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. You basically, we once you've done that in the little Infuse box, it has a bunch of servers that you can jump into. So we have like sponsored servers at the moment, you know, so ones like sponsored by Pay With Moon or Bitstamp. So they're free to enter. And you click on that, you join a game, you, you know, go, you know, pew, 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 shoot people. And then Infuse will tell you how many sats you're kind of earning. And at the end of the game, you can withdraw. It's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> you know, it's a... So, which is, I'm trying to think like uh, the withdrawal process for a first time Bitcoin user. Do they sort of get it? Do you have like a wallet that you recommend a mobile wallet or do they sort of well, figure infuse is technically its own wallet so it kind of infuse will hold the sats for you but you can obviously withdraw at any time so it works with any lightning wallet right you know because it just uses the ln url withdraw protocol but obviously we recommend the zebedee wallet just because you know it's like the same node behind the scenes so everything will work super smooth and super quick yeah thing yeah people take it off and then like put it on their phone to go spend somewhere else or something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I think um, I'm actually doing a podcast with pay with moon guy on Thursday, but I think what a lot of people will, will do is they'll play some games and they'll earn some sats and some people will hodl it. And some people will maybe like send it to like a pay with moon card and spend it to buy whatever they want, maybe half and half. Um, oh, yeah. That's the interesting that's really interesting about Moon too, and I'd be interested to see if you guys would ever integrate something like with like they have their wallet, and you really don't know which part of the stack you're using Bitcoin from. It's Pay with Moon and Moon the same thing because it's Pay with uh, card and there's Moon Wallet, right? Are they separate? Uh, moon Wallet, M-U-E. Yeah, yeah. Pay with Moon is like a, a crypto debit card. Okay. That I was Lightning. informed recently that Pay with Moon is now Moon as well. <laughs> the best website is pay with moon double so, m or u u n no this is pay uh, this is m o o n wow we're talking different moons here <laughs> you bring just a moon into the conversation while we're at it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so are you what are some of like the user tendencies particularly like new users are you finding that some users are really good in using this to accumulate sats um yeah, that's one of the issues we have at the moment, which is kind of an issue in gaming anyway, but it become more of an issue when, when you have sats. It's um, you get some really good people in there, right? So but the first service we had in CSGO, you would have to kind of pay to enter. So you'd have to pay like 500 sats and then everybody would pay 500 sats. And then um, that would be like the pot for the game, right? And then, you know, the, the better players would get... A, the larger percentage of that pot, right? So if you got like 90% of the score, you would get 90% of the sats. So obviously we had some like professional players coming in and we had some new people who wanted to try out who would just basically get owned. <laughs> um, so, but we, we've managed to address that a little bit at the moment. So um, with the sponsored servers, everybody kind of gets sats, right? You know, because you don't have to pay anything to enter. We also have a team mode now. Um, so you can actually play with a team against another team 
Um, but yeah, but I think I, I guess that, that was the, the main challenge is just trying to work out the incentives. I know like CSGO has some sort of like ranking system, you know, uh, but then people can kind of, uh, what's the word, game that a little bit. I think they call it smurfing where somebody will try and you know, they're pretty strong, but they'll somehow get like a low ranked account. Um, I remember doing that with Halo. Yeah. So. But we have like moderators. So big shout out to the moderators. We have like people from the community. So we've got quite a good community that's evolved around Infuse in now. So they are always in the servers, keeping a watch out during the Discord. So if somebody's kind of doing something to spoil the fun, they'll, you know, they'll give them a warning or kick them, et cetera, you know, et cetera. Um, yeah, but no, but it's just quite exciting and it's still evolving i think infuse has only been out really since like maybe like late january or something not long so we're kind of learning as we go but it's just insane how yeah. much it's grown in these past few months well it's insane the um like the incentive mechanisms you can build in with lightning like i'm thinking like would you guys ever think about like putting in a staking function like sphinx says for commenting like if if it's some with that if somebody's in our tribe in tftc like to mitigate spam or incentivize spam when they when they make a comment they have to stake i think our stakes like 100 sets or something like that um and if it's not if i don't deem it like spam or trolling yeah i get their their sats back after like three hours yeah Uh, i get to take the sats from them um i I think it depends on the stakes of the game so we have different servers i've never by the way but like, obviously, the more Bitcoin you put in a server, so say the Bitcoin's like, you know, 10,000 sats to enter, like the server, and it's lots of prizes, you'll get more kind of people trying to, you know, game it and cheat and all, all this stuff. But if the server's lower, like 100 sats, the pro players won't go in there because they're not going to earn as much as, as the higher ones. So we generally would, the thinking at the moment is, if the higher stakes are there, maybe we require a little bit more from the users to enter. So like not just anybody can enter, maybe they have to deposit or they have to have like a premium account. So I think CSGO has like a premium account where you pay like $15, but that just makes it, you know, if someone gets banned, they can't quickly or cheaply make a new account because they have to pay for it. So it's it's all about trying to manage that. Uh, But at the moment, I think it's going quite well, actually. So I'm surprised, you know, we do have like some people cheating now and then, but for the most part, like 99%, it's going well. But again, that goes to the moderators who are doing a great job. And how's the technical management going on the backside, like channel management, node management? I think this is great where we get Michael in because he's actually the guy who makes sure everything runs, the unsung hero. He's like the, the node master at the Zebedee. Master of the node? Master of the node. At least transitioning to become the, uh, a, a master of lightning. I don't know if I'm there yet. Every day is a is another day for it. But um, yeah, we so so in terms of channel management and stuff, it's it's mainly just topping off channels because a lot of what we're doing is one way. You know, we're paying out, so uh, balancing the channels, you know, is is probably ninety nine percent of channel management there. So nothing nothing too fancy in my opinion. Uh, you know, we have a pool of nodes that, that we pull from and each one's are, you know, first level citizens. We don't have any kind of fancy, you know, setup where we're routing, you know, all of this through this, through that. It's, they're all just, you know, we have a pool of nodes that kind of round robin between with our infrastructure. So, uh, yeah, not, not, not too much, but 
I kind of want to I kind of want to jump into the the CS:GO uh, topic specifically because it's it's kind of interesting um, because when you you know when you start you know adding in this permissionless decentralized money into a game where anyone can just join and, and get some uh, we 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 see I think some of the interesting things is seeing the creativity uh, for people trying to farm it in different ways uh, whether you know it be just someone constantly playing it legitimately for 12 hours straight or someone trying to set up some kind of automation and being able to find those things and have, you know, like Chris said, a, a good moderator group really helps. And it's just, it's, we're, I think we're like on our 12th iteration of like stopping farming essentially from being easy. Like, uh, I think like originally we, we had like, like people would go in with two accounts, commit suicide with a Molotov cocktail and then they would die, they would drop their sets and they would go pick it up and we would just keep doing this kind of stuff. And, you know, we, we, we've just kept iterating and iterating where now it's like, it's, it gets, now it's, you know, it gets harder and harder and harder to farm it. And now we even have moderators where if they suspect someone is farming, they'll actually report them for farming and we'll kick them out uh, for that. So uh, not just like wall hacking, which is, I learned is WH. So whenever you see like cheetah reports, we have all these things going into our messaging uh, group. Um, whenever someone's saying WH, it means wall hack. So I'm learning CSGO lingo here. What's the wall hack? Wall hack is where you can, uh, not only does maybe your cursor help you with headshots or whatever, but it, it, it helps you know that the person, it'll, it'll automatically point to them, even if they're behind a wall, two walls, whatever and your cursor will go to them. And because we've set up a, a replay system, it's a lot easier to detect these things and verify these claims. Uh, because, you know, when you're looking at a replay and this guy is just like automatically, and then as soon as he dies, his cursor goes somewhere else, it, it, it's, it's very easy. Um, this kind of goes back to um, the general topic of how do, you, how do you prevent, you know, client side, you know, people on their computers from cheating and, and ultimately, you know, the more complex the game is, the harder that is, as you mentioned, Halo, you know, as remember, if you remember, you know, people used to mod on Halo 2 like crazy, right? And they would boost, you know, with like a bogus account, you know, with like a two month free trial on Xbox Live and they would boost and it would get banned and, you know, that's rinse and repeat, right? Um, so, so even Halo, you know, Bungie uh, struggled with client side validation because if you remember at that time, one player in the, and the game on Halo was the host, right? So they had to do all the ver you know validation, right? They they were the server. Now for us, we're running our own server, so we can run more validation. And um, it's it's you know perfect validation is is really hard. The more complex the game gets, the simpler the game is. Like for instance, like a turn-based game like checkers or chess or something, you know, something that's like where it's it's very like turn-based. It's very easy to do server-side validation. But for something that's like ongoing and you know first-person shooter kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the wall hacking is, is pretty hard to prevent because you don't know whether or not the player is just very good or he has some kind of modded client that helps him point at people, right? I think this is where, like, if it ever takes off, but, like, Stadia or cloud gaming would really help, right? Stadia, yeah. yeah. Stadia, yeah. Because then obviously... As long as everyone has the same shitty latency, then we're good. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, if, like, in the future, if like, everyone's on fiber or something, but, yeah. But people, yeah, have latency. Yeah, I have Stadia with Google Fiber right now. Um, where I am, and uh, it's probably not good for esports, though, because esports is very competitive. But may maybe like casual gaming, it doesn't matter a bit of latency. But yeah, I can imagine it not really working for competitive esports. 
Yeah, like I was just actually before we were hopping on here, Barstool they posted like a video of like a land party, like the first land party in Texas after all the lockdowns and stuff, and it was hilarious watching. <laughs> I think they were playing uh, Black Ops, and they were just getting so intense. Like, could you like replicate uh, these servers, put infuse in, and do like in person betting? Like, so obviously you're cutting out the potential for somebody. Yeah, mod- that's 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 very similar to what we're doing in Miami, where everyone's that's joining these. Uh, East, you know, these esport tournament, these these games that we're going to be hosting are going to be in person, and uh, it's not going to be you're not going to be able to cheat there because you know all the people that are doing the games are going to be in person, so you're using our you know equipment. So uh, people do cheat in in person CS:GO tournaments, so they're happy like something. Oh, I I, I uh, we get found out. Though. What are they going to do? Plug uh, go to I guess google download something real quick or plug a usb stick in or something secretly i don't know what they do but there's like been some famous cases where like you know like somebody well people i just make sure whichever one's hacked to win i want to use that computer when i play so this is like another thing that the lightning network enables that you could like integrate like maybe you stake the whole pool of the game of the particular game the payout the pot whatever you want to call it you wait till like 15 minutes after to make sure you can check to make sure there's nothing modded or no farming or anything like that and then release it after that so. yeah that's that's actually so we have a mode called survival mode uh if you don't mind i'll talk about this for a, a second where we would we, you know one of the things people would do is they would come in and you start with a certain amount of sats especially if it's like a sponsored server and you would start out let's say with a thousand sats for as an example and when you came in you could just quit immediately and take your sat. So that was like, you know, step one to prevent that. And then step two is like, well, now you have to wait in there for, you know, five minutes before you can start withdrawing, you know, you have to, you know, survive for, you know, a certain amount of time uh, before you can withdraw. And we've, we've implemented that in uh, some of the games that are continuous that don't have necessarily like a timer, like rounds. Um, what, one thing I do want to say though about survival mode that's kind of funny is, um, if you if you do happen to play CS:GO and like I like you know we're saying this is open right now people can go you know to infuse you know Zebedee slash infuse and uh, and check this out the survival mode you actually drop physical coins so we've we've modded the game to where you drop physical like you know Sats Bitcoin there and you can go pick up you know people's Bitcoin and what people I've seen people do is they'll kill someone. And then they'll just camp that body waiting for someone to go and pick that those <laughs> coins up and then they'll kill them and then there'll be more coins. And then you're just like, do I risk well, it and go obviously where I'm about to get killed and pick up a bunch of Satoshis or do I kind of hold back? You know, it's like this really like emotional thing where it's like I could just jump in there and run around like crazy and try to collect sats. And I know I'm going to die or am I going to lose more sats by jumping in? You know, it's kind of an interesting proposition well, to make. I think the uh, amateurs will get the they'll go, oh shiny coin. And they'll get it and then like headshot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, I mean you're, you're pretty much describing me playing uh, Counter-Strike. So yeah. <laughs> well it's, uh, it's so fascinating like all these these tendencies that have happened like farming, right? Like, wasn't there like wasn't that like an early Bitcoin story? Wasn't there like a bunch of gamers in Venezuela farming like World of Warcraft gold or something like that and converting it to Bitcoin? Um for yeah, whether it be legitimate or not i mean you hear about the gold farms uh, back in the day well i don't i don't know about venezuela but i definitely knew about chi- chinese miners for wow doing wow gold stuff and uh um i want to say didn't like that bsv guy uh calvin or something didn't he do that wasn't that his 
I think yeah, he he, he it was his money. I hear is from like Canadian wow. gambling or something, right? Some sort of yeah, online wow. gambling, maybe. I might be wrong. <laughs> his riches are made from just farming, just having. He's in a movie. Somebody told me. There's, apparently, there's a movie about it, and like one of the characters is based on him. I can't remember what it was. I think who told me that. Oh, yeah, some Bitcoiner told me that. Speaking about people farming, uh, Francis Pulio. Who? Francis Pulio, I think he told oh, me because he was from Canada, so he said yeah, yeah. Canadian. Yeah, apparently everybody knows about this kind of thing. He's more famous there, apparently, and there was a movie that was based on him. The um, the the you know, speaking about like you know, well. I'll, I'll just call it like third world countries or just like other world, you know, not like America and Europe, I guess you could say, but like um, there, there's, there's this kind of like cool, like thing that's going on this phenomenon, kind of like almost like a funny, cool side effect of mint gox and infuse just in general, where people now across the world, let's say, I'll just make up a number, like their their monthly wage equivalent in US dollars is maybe $10 or something. But now they're able to get on Mint Gox, uh, a Mint Gox Sunday or uh, Infuse, you know, game or something, and then quickly rack up uh, the same amount of money that they may make in like a whole month, uh, you know, salary. And if you, if you want to think about like, you know, you hear about the, these charities where like you give money and 50% of it immediately goes to overhead and then another 30% goes to this. And then by the time it gets to the actual person, it's only like, you know, 10 or 5% or less or something. So, so the cool part about the sponsors that sponsor Mint Gox and Infuse and stuff like this is they're literally, we're, we're literally, I think, running the best charity possible. Now, obviously, you know, we talked about there's people every once in a while that cheat and stuff, but 99% of the time we're running, like, I think one of the best charities in the world, which is really cool. Um, in Gox, we kind of so we do these CSGO tournaments each month in Mint Gox, and because we give the larger price afterwards, like the cheaters don't get it because like we give like ten thousand sets or something. Like, we kind of just check, you know, before we hand it out. But I think the last champion was something like a kid from South America. He's just like you know earns more money than his dad did for the last three months or something. <laughs> Crazy. Well, that's, a, that's another beauty of it, right? Like the fact that you can build and fuse, put it out there as software and it's like a bank. We actually have at the moment for another game that we developed, which is kind of more like of a tech demo game. It is a Mario Kart game uh, with Bitcoin called Bitcoin Rally, but we got half a Bitcoin. We're doing a half a Bitcoin tournament with that at the moment. So we had 12 people qualify and they're currently, I think the, the final, they've done the penultimate race, but the final race will be done at Bitcoin Miami. And yeah, but you know, that's half a bitcoin up for grabs you know for the for the winner or like for second third place the winner gets like 0.25 and then we kind of you know well i mean but um you know we are doing um the the next mint gox in person at bitcoin 2021 and it's going to be absolutely massive two days of insanity insane bitcoin gaming and i mean total that we're giving out over those two days is over a, a bitcoin in prizes um along with like other cool swag and stuff so like people can come and play and get in on this so it's not i mean the stuff that we've been doing um regularly at the monthly mint gaxes are like just kind of the beginning like this is you know this in-person event i think is going to really people are going to get it they're going to see it in person and see the power and like you know 
sponsors will get the value add of like, you know, really directly interacting with people who are the users who are playing these games. So, I mean, Bitcoin 2021 is going to be massive in itself, but like the esports tournament is going to be literally smack dab in the middle. And I mean, you can't miss it. So, yeah, it, it, over a Bitcoin in prices, that's all I'm going to say. It's crazy. Taz, come on. You guys are working on the Lightning Network over 100 million sets. We're, uh, we're, we're fixing the unit bias here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. It's over 100 million sets. No, it's going to be. It's going to be insane. And that's it. I'm actually excited for the Mint Gox tournament, particularly because from what I hear, Matt O'Dell's working closely with the, uh, the Bitcoin 2021 crew. And there's um, people from outside the Bitcoin world that are going to be there that you wouldn't expect. And like this caliber person seeing that, like how Bitcoin's getting integrated into pop culture. I should check my Discord. Um, let, me, let me ping someone because you know we were planning to drop to name drop um during this podcast but you know we're still kind of like name drop you mentioned what'd you say yeah yeah our, our lips are sealed and someone, someone who may or may not do extreme <laughs> sports <laughs> extreme oh no, i'm not gonna yeah no but we'll we'll announce it. i'm gonna ping see if we can release. when are you supposed to announce it it was supposed to be, I mean, we, we're just like waiting for the right approvals. You know, you got to like have all the pretty language and say all the right things. Um, I mean, it's official, but. It's Bitcoin, you don't need to do that. You know, we know how we know how far this part, this podcast reaches the ears of many, including Janet Yellen and SEC and. Got it. She's right here. I got to give her. Yes, I see. So. Yeah, she's, um... ah, now, now it's bugging me. Currently the head of the U.S. Treasury, right? Yeah, she's uh, the head of the U.S. Treasury. She had some strong words for Bitcoin last week. Um, Is it a promotion or a lateral move to go from the head of the Fed to the head of the Treasury? Is that a, or is it just, what is that? Promotion, lateral, uh, or promotion? When she's there right now, it's really, it's really lateral, right? Because the Fed and the uh, Treasury have sort of merged in the last year, where there's really no separation. So she's basically chair, Fed, co-Fed chair woman with Jerome Powell, even though they've been like fighting with each other publicly, which has been incredible. You have to, you have to at least let the public know that there's not collusion, right? I mean, they they, they like to pretend like there is, <laughs> publicly state that the Fed is private. And, is separate from the treasury, but they've completely merged. I actually had a good episode with Maddie Mazinkius from the Crypto Voices podcast, a great Bitcoiner. Last week, episode 250, I believe, where he explains that treasury department actually has like a $2.5 billion bank account with the with the Fed. Just like, it's literally like their bank account, which has never happened before in the history of the treasury and the Fed. And they're literally conjoined. They're just printing money and giving it. It's, I have heard that Janet Yellen was quite sound because this is economist I follow who's like one of those old school Republicans, kind of Austrian thinking, the government spends their money, blah, blah, blah. And he always vouched for her. But then when she gets the job, it's like, it's like in England, one of our leading politicians in the government, he's the son of the author of The Sovereign Individual. And before he like was like, um, yeah, Jacob Rees-Mogg. So Lord Rees-Mogg is one of the authors. And before he became like a politician, he said all the right things, right? You know, and as soon as you become a politician, it's just interesting. Like, 
I kind of think if you become a politician, do you like go into a room and then the aliens are there and then you kind of see how it really is? And, I don't think it's it. Like, you just like see on paper like how fucked up everything is. It's like, oh shit. It's like we either get chaos or I just pretend like I completely shifted my worldview. Yeah. I, I, I believe when I believe, Chris, that the lizard people are there to uh, help with the introductions to uh, all the levers of the world. And uh, there's a room with just levers that control the whole inner workings of the world yeah, you, people control that so i want to become prime minister just to see if that happens like after that i'd quit like after day one but just to see like the first meeting right no you walk into the room the lizard people sacrifice someone and they say if you fuck up this is you they probably kill me and steal my skin right and one yeah. of them gets it and then i'm not me anymore and then you start thinking like this like from side to side it's uh I mean, also for that don't i is there a filter now haven't fallen down the lizard people rabbit hole in quite a while it's always fun to rehash yeah the lizard people conspiracy theory. They're among us. Be aware, freaks. I could be one. It's out of fashion these days, I think, right? It's one of those, like, the, the 90s. David Icke. Uh, David Icke, yeah. Like yeah. The, the he pops up now and then, I say in England, because he's like English, isn't he? Marty, yeah. the, the reason we haven't really seen a whole lot of lizard people in the in the flesh, like in, with their lizard skin, is because, uh, you know, going off the flat earth theory, they're on the other side of the earth. They're on the other side. On the, of the pancake we're on the top side they're on the bottom side so that's why we don't see them often can they like crawl over though they they can only crawl over because they have like the, the talons to climb to the side of the earth and but we can't swear I, I think i think uh i think you've dug into this conspiracy a little bit more than i have so <laughs> uh, people one of the actually earlier bit so i used to live in japan and the bitcoin meetup there was made by Roger Ver and his second in command, I'm not going to name him, but he was like, you know, basically was with Roger started, I think it's like the second Bitcoin meetup that ever happened. I think the first one was in California, but the one in, in, in Japan was the first, but he was like a massive flat earther and later became a BSV guy. And now he thinks Craig Wright is Jesus. Shocker. But a really nice guy though. It's like a really cool guy. He's a good friend, but it's just interesting talking to him and having... I think there's still something to be said about flat earthers and bsv um you know in, in terms of like knowing the truth you know they they just once once you know the truth you just keep going i suppose yeah yeah there's something like you know that well i, I guess that's common i think even normal bitcoin and even like stuff like you know crossfit or whatever like we know the truth and the others don't and that's you know we want well, to tell them. yeah when you get into that it's like well the deep well i i do this to detox and this detox and this exercise and then eating for your blood type and then eating for your body type and all it's all it all meshes at some point there's it's, it's some vertex all these things combine and bsv is one of these circles that combines into that yeah yeah if you're not eating meat and uh sunning your balls every day you're, you're not a true bitcoiner <laughs> sorry des that was that was a little no Des agrees i'm sure <laughs> So let's talk more about the Bitcoin 2021. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but seriously, what uh, what is being played? CSGO only? No, everything. But CSGO is um, definitely kind of the main event along with um, Bitcoin Rally. There's going to be a lot of like, kind of free play um, free play sessions so people can come and play um, like as they wish in demo games, um, including CSGO and Bitcoin Rally. Um, we're going to have Sat Stacker. Okay. 
What did you say? Oh yes, a new game. Um, are you going to talk about that now, or are you going to just like announce it there? Which, which casually you? mention it. Yeah, I, I, I've made stuff public about it, but we haven't shown anything. But yeah, but sorry, I tease, tease the audience. Come on. It's it's basically like yeah, Smash Brothers. <laughs> that that was that was Bitcoin a rally is Mario Kart with Bitcoin Smash Bros. This new one is Smash Bros. with Bitcoin. Like we're not trying to reinvent the wheel with these internal games. They're more just kind of fun things that we can play at Mint Gox and kind of show what can work, etc. And experiment. That was another one of my games, Smash Bros. It was always Link. I was crushing with Link. I, actually, I should give credit because I actually think I got. I, I would say it was probably because of this show that I'm making this Smash Brothers game. Um, because I remember you did you did a show with um, uh, Lightning Caller, mm-hmm. and um, you were talking about putting Bitcoin into Street Fighter, I believe. And wouldn't it be cool if like somebody could punch and, and they could stream a sat? So I listened to that show, and at the time there was like a hackathon that I couldn't attend in person, but I just thought, I oh, know, I'll just hack that up. So I actually made this kind of Lightning Street Fighter game, and um, where you would punch and the wallet. I even made like a Lightning wallet based on LND. So shout out to Lightning Labs there. But like if you play it as you punch and kick, it would stream sats. And then I actually entered that into a Bitcoin 2019, which was like the, the Bitcoin mm-hmm. Miami book two years ago. And I entered it into the competition them and won. And like from the back of that we kind of formed Zebedee and we started to make that game more and we called it Reiki, but we've pivoted to making it a more of like a Smash Brothers tune game. So in a way there's a little bit of credit here for the inspiring the thought. Wow. I'm, I'm flattered. This is crazy. Yeah. No. Hey, Smash Bros. I'm happy that it's evolved to Smash Bros too. Cause I, I would pick Smash Bros over like Tekken or Street Fighter. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, well, like this kind of ties in like CSGO can be, a, it, it is like quite a competitive game. So we're kind of making these more fun family casual games, which have more of an Among Us model. So CSGO, you kind of play with anybody, but these games you can kind of play with your friends. If that makes sense calling smash bros casual like it's a pretty intense game that's true at the high level but anyway but it can be done in a casual way with friends as well yeah, it can be if you're weak but it should be done very serious no, i'm kidding yeah so uh, now i'm like curious are you like replicating like all the exact moves like do you have like a, a jigglypuff um well kirby kirby's unfair let's just say this kirby's unfair in smash bros if you play with kirby <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much about it because we're going to like reveal it later and it is a work in progress. But like the appeal of Smash Brothers is you can play from different characters from different games, but we obviously can't do that because of the IP. So what we're doing is we're going to like have you would play as different characters from history. So you could play like as like a samurai versus, you know, a cowboy. But we're also going to throw in like some Bitcoin themed characters in there as well. So if you wanted to, you could play against like a cypherpunk versus a unicorn rainbow kit i won't say which crypto that is but. <laughs> nah, it sounds okay i'm gonna get gaming of 2021 what uh what sticks are you using for that ps4 ps5 now when is it ps5 now you mean game pads yeah is it on computer or are you guys using like yeah. it'll be on computer at the moment like you know um, we're not really at the point yet to approach the, the larger consoles but yeah they'll be on it but it'll support like bunch of different game pads you can plug in your ps5 or your xbox gamepad if you want but um yeah it'll, it'll be pc only because it's just free at the moment right we don't have any restrictions that we do it on pc but once we start to go through like publishers and platforms then you know you get things you can and can't do 
Yeah, instead of gamepad joysticks, right? So you can bring your own joystick and play. It, it, like going into dev, like the way we do it, there's like this um, kind of SDK, which will basically you put in your game and like any controller will work with it. Like mm-hmm. if it doesn't, you can like configure it, right? So you can play with like, you can probably play with like a, a Peloton if you wanted to or something, if you configured it right. <laughs> so with the, um, like with all the activity, it's increasing with like CSGO and stuff like that, Michael. Are you like trying to make the nodes profitable, like routing wise? No, I'm just trying to make us uh, not have any downtime right now. So the, the I think the routing and also like any ideas of like getting into like the marketplace of channels and all these potential like side things, I think are definitely second priority compared to just making sure everything works. And um, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if, if you've talked to too many people that are running a bunch of nodes, but uh, you know, I'm very optimistic for the for the future, but uh, last couple months uh, have been a little bit tougher than normal. So, uh, mainly just like making sure we have uh, you know no downtime is is the real goal at, at at least at the moment. Why is that? What's I have, my note has fallen a couple times over last. Yeah, time. and then like if you yeah, so I, it's just because everything's still really like alpha slash beta and. Things are getting a lot better. The one thing I do like is uh, uh, the primary node type that we're using is LND, and uh, uh, Lightning Labs engineers and LND developers have been pretty responsive on GitHub for a lot of things, which has been really nice. Yeah. Yay! Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Um, what, yeah, I mean, do you guys check out Lightning Terminal? That's like my newest favorite thing. Yeah, I actually I, I wanted to ask a question uh, during the the thing today, but uh, I, I wasn't actually, it seems like lightning terminal is lit plus features. Cause I didn't really get the whole like web. Uh, the, I didn't get the whole web selling point. I Maybe we could talk about this later, but I don't know if this is how you want to yeah. side into it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you should chill it and then, and then explain it more because we are, and I'll, I'll, I'll caveat it with first that we are using lit for all of our nodes, but I mean, I've already kind of exposed it internally, like via like web for us. So I don't, I didn't really get the whole like exposing on the internet spiel. Yeah, I mean, that's all like still like very um, early and um, like more will be coming out um, on that. Obviously like the round tables are, you know, a little bit of a sneak peek, but um, you know, obviously with um, terminal, um, terminal web, I like we we need to, like the names like yeah. although lightning terminal was me because like the abbreviation was lit like I came up with that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I mean uh, terminal web is like awesome because it's like this total this to- total like node scoring um, gamification piece. I mean it's something that we were thinking a lot about at um, Lightning Labs is like kind of the stuff that. Um, that Michael's talking about where it's like, okay, we want the network not just to grow and more people to come on board, but um, we really want to think about um, growing a robust, secure and reliable network, um, you know, so people can actually like 
very reliably use the network and um, stay online. So um, that was kind of the intention um, with uh, Terminal Web, where it's like, okay, hey, like, yeah, there's like kind of an interesting like gamification incentives piece, and, and we're, there's more to be built with that, and a lot of fun stuff that we're going to be doing over the next couple quarters. Um, but really, the intention is like, hey, how can we incentivize people to like not just get on the network, but how can we incentivize um, people to to um, run like strong performant nodes. And so that's where it's like, okay, what's your node score? And, you know, you know, if your node score totally sucks, um, you know, you're unstable or you don't have good peers, um, really kind of providing the resources and the guides to actually improve um, your node and contribute to a stronger network is really kind of the intentionality between, but behind, um, terminal web. So um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, new fun stuff um, coming with that. Um, and yeah, we'll definitely get back on here, Marty. Uh, we have way more to share about that. Well, I'm, I just pulled up my RTFTC node info. I loved it when it came out. I checked it out. What is your node score? Is that like the centrality score or... No, it's it's just like kind of a combination of I mean I don't remember like totally exactly it's like um, I think Lalu tweeted about it but it's it's just like kind of an ar arbitrary rating like based on you know what which peers you're connected to like how stable your node is like how long it's been online and I think if you pull up um, damn we're number three sixty nine right now it's hey, good is it similar to a boss score. Yeah, I think it's 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 like it's pretty much based on, on the box. You were number two eighty five. Yeah, our node went down like for like three days last week. That's why I think we dropped. But you were number two eighty five. What percentile you're in? Because that made it sound a bit better. Because like three hundred something always sounds bad. But if it's like the top one percentile. Yeah, no, that's good. Like you know, just I've spent a lot of time on there. But um, yeah, I want to do some like fun things to gamify a bit. Like do some like profile badges for you know people who like you know hit different. Uh, achievements and whatnot but yeah i mean if you like actually click on your node and go through it's like um it goes through some insights node is online um amount of channels um what like a rating of your um, routing capacity level of channel stability like how many good peers you have etc um so you know we'll continue to build this out so this is like very early but um yeah i mean i think it's kind of cool um community resource and just kind of help i wonder i wonder what the gamification is when you start handing out badges and like hey you have this you've been out for this amount of time to become a target for someone who's like hey these guys are you know i, I like in order to get above like let's say the top 500 i need to start taking out some of this low-hanging fruit up here so i can get up there <laughs> yeah there's a, a lot of considerations to think about and that's why i'm glad it's like you know not just me thinking about it um so it's like i mean i get so excited to do different things where it's like hey can we like give emojis to people who do this or whatnot i'm so like you know i have lots of really bad ideas so thinking about some of those more malicious actions um is definitely um you know something like ryan or justin and lalu folks on our team will so one thing that I've learned recently about uh, Lightning uh, LND nodes and something I wasn't really privy to before Lightning was the flap count. If, if you're familiar with that, yeah, every, every node that you're observing has a flap count. And uh, and I, this is actually like a real term. It's a it's a network flapping or route flapping. And y'all are using that as one of the 
you know pieces of metadata you can you can find out about your peers that you're connected to and um anyways the flap count should definitely be used with these badges so um, somehow integrate that in where maybe your peers can give you badges if you have low flap count kind of stuff Ooh, i like that i like like anyway it's kind of like yeah like giving people stickers or something i like that that's a really and, good yeah and and just for uh anyone who doesn't know the the flap count is like how often your nodes goes up and down kind of like if you if you go offline if you become unavailable and you come back online yeah it would be like two flaps uh almost like i guess like wings on a bird flap i, I don't know but uh I keep wanting to say FAP count and that lightning labs is like monitoring. You went there, Michael. Lightning labs is literally monitoring everyone that runs an L and D node and they're keeping track of the FAP count. Just letting you guys know it came here first, broke the conspiracy here on the pod. So <laughs> I was thinking FAP count when you said it, but you were the only one who had the balls to say it. So thank you. Yeah. Fap, keep that FAP count low, freaks. <laughs> we're conserving our T. Our t all right. This is it's important to keep that fab count low. Serving our sense. Oh. As you're, you're you're jumping in on guide talk here. I'm sorry about that. I know. I know it's okay. <laughs> I'm used to it now. Uh, what are you looking for from a protocol development? Like I um I mean this is way off. Not even in the conversation here. Code's not even written, but like sig hash any prev out, which would enable L2, like lightweight watchtowers. Um it's cool. Uh, one thing that is live now that Lisa you, um, launched is like the dual funded channels just coming. Like, does that help you guys at all in any way? Um, yeah, we have some, like, I mean, we're obviously working on sidecar channels, um, which is something that we've talked about in one of our recent blog posts. So, yeah, I mean, what Lisa's doing is really cool. Um, was excited to hear her um, talk at Austin BitDevs a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, I mean, this today um you know we did like a big um, roadmap presentation um which i unfortunately couldn't attend all of um so i don't know i mean there's there's a lot of cool stuff that's in the works um yeah I'm, i think i'm most excited about sidecar channels just because i mean that to me that's like i don't know like on the business side of things it's like okay can, how do we make it easier to onboard people and so if you know you can as a merchant non-custodially onboard somebody to lightning without having them to commit any upfront capital is like extremely powerful. So I think that's just like kind of like a really interesting tool that I'll be like, and, you know, I mean, I think it's like super technical when we talk about it, but like actually the business case around it is really powerful. So I, I'm really interested to see kind of the network effects and see people start adopting that, and, you know, see what impact it has on, um, you know, really easily onboarding folks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how would that help you guys at Zebedee? Like, do you think, like, no? Yeah, well, so, I, so right now we are completely uh, custodial, uh, at least for argument's sake. Um, I, I am not. So I'll, I'll, I'll admit I am not uh, thinking about all these new, crazy, you know, awesome features that we could use uh, just yet. Um, I'm. I know like between now and next year, not only are we going to have all these features or, or sorry, not all these features, but more features. And then also uh, potential, you know, uh, having L2 and, you know, taproot outputs and, and, you know, maybe like between now and next year, no, no channel that exists right now is going to be like even 
close to a channel that's being created, you know, a year from now. And I, I hope it's like that. So um, I'm kind of just, it's kind of like a fire hose and I'm just, I'm, I'm doing the parts that are available right now. Um, and, and the future is tomorrow. So I'm, I'm learning as I, you know, as I go for, for, for some of this and uh, I'm glad Des is here to, to tell me what I need to be doing. Now, one thing that uh, is, is very interesting for companies like Zebedee who did take the custodial approach, um, potentially, you know, as things get easier um, for, for non-custodial type transactions and, and, and engagements, um, the idea of either having a hybrid model or transitioning in the future, I think is very, very interesting, um, for all kinds of reasons, uh, security compliant, all, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So in the early um, days we did actually, before you came on board, we did actually come up with plans for this and even wrote like how it would work, you know, and, um, I think our SDK still supports l linking your BTC pay server, hmm. uh, but yeah, it's just, um, it's. I think it's it's you know lightning is still quite new and even given like high fees and channels it is quite difficult to do non-custodial at the moment and we're really focusing on gamers and to get gamers onto lightning we really need to make it as smooth as possible like if they have to think about a channel and everything it's just basically game over yeah so we're not really ta tackling that at the moment I, mean, I am like very I mean this is one thing that like I, I feel like I'm becoming more and more passionate about like I mean I am all about being non-custodial and you know like really to the day I die but it's not real, right like I mean what what Michael's saying is like spot on where it's like hey you know we would love to be custodial or non-custodial if we could but like guess what it's really really hard to build a super user-friendly very easy like seamless non-custodial wallet it's, it's extremely extremely hard so like i mean you kind of just have to make that business decision it's like hey do we kind of reap this opportunity and bring on all these users and, and you know take this opportunity of a bull market and people pumped about bitcoin gaming and onboard them as quick as possible and then transition them to non-custodial when we actually have the tools to build what to build what we're building non-custodially like i think that's like to me like that's the decision that i would make you know obviously at lightning labs we're trying to like pump out those kind of tools um and you know, get enable people to build these non-custodial solutions in the future but like you know i mean what like zebedee is doing right now is like it's just like such like a logical business decision and like i mean hey we're all bitcoiners like we all get it like everybody wants to be non-custodial but like what that timeline looks like what that progression is to getting there is like is going to be different for everyone and i think that's like totally totally fine and so you know once the tech is there, i'm sure everybody will be non-custodial people can earn enough sats in csgo to buy like a raspi or raspi blitz or a umbrella or whatever there. right oh well, and the other way like is there ways you could just create the conditions from which people want to use it in a custodial fashion could easily like could you incentivize like subscription i think it incentivizes itself generally i think kind of once you've into bitcoin custodially long enough then eventually you're going to hit some sort of annoying like kyc thing or something and then or you're going to have to like do some sort of annoying tax return or something right so i think generally in my experience like you know Custodial is fine for small amounts, but once you start to get a bit of Bitcoin and then like an exchange gets hacked or something, then you start to realize the importance of being non-custodial. And I think like it's easier now than ever to be non-custodial, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And I just want to make uh, a point that uh, most of the time when users, you know, win 
any amount of Bitcoin, they they can, I think, yeah, take it. Take, they can it yeah. take it off to a non-custodial lightning wallet that they own. So people don't uh, have to KYC to play our games initially. Obviously, like yeah. like because we're a company and we're registered in real countries and stuff. Like if you start to do a lot, then there is a kind of a layer of KYC. But for most people, like because it's all about micropayments and small amounts, they don't really need anything. Yeah. They just need like an email address, and then they can just like get Bitcoin withdraw to their other wallet and they're done with it. But like. In terms of like node management, like you were talking about like a subscription service for CSGO, like a premium service. Like okay. as a premium service for CSGO that you were talking about earlier. Uh, that was on the Lightning side. That's actually a Steam thing. Um, you, you can have like a Steam, like Platinum, Platinum account, which yeah. is like $15. So. I was thinking like if you could incentivize people to open channels with you. Um, like if you open a channel, you get a free premium account or something. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I think there's definitely a lot of gamification around channels. I actually thought of making a game once in early days about, you know, like something to do with channels that, you know, how you get a score for how well connected you are, which I guess is what Des was actually it's doing now in a way. But I thought it's it, just like a collab that needs to happen, Chris, like a Lightning Lab Zebedee collab on um, Terminal Web. Sure, yeah, no, it's, um, I, I'm actually doing something as well. I'm assisting. Nayuta, if you know that company, Japanese lightning company. So, so they actually have, um, they're working on like a, a non-custodial wallet. Um, and also Koji who work, works for them. He has a game coming out, which it uses, the game uses the Zebedee SDK, but it links with their non-custodial wallet and does streaming issue play. So there's definitely models there, but obviously, you know, it is like you still need a channel, which, you know, um, but it's, you know, it's just time, right? I think sure, surely like as a protocol evolves, there's going to be easier ways to do that and stuff like channel factories, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure that like roast beef has a bunch of ideas. <laughs> just probably needs a bunch of soft forks, but. I think it was a really cool idea what you brought up where you incentivize based on some kind of premium content for the user to have the burden to open up a channel with you to then get put potentially paid as well. So the company wouldn't have to open up that channel. I think, I think that's a really interesting idea to gamify the, the channel, uh, you know, connectivity, right? right. A lot of businesses are incentive is, I think there is an incentive, um, the incentivized to do non-custodial because if you are custodial, then the business has a lot of like regulatory pressure and things it has to do. Right. You know, especially like in Japan, it's very hard. It's pretty much impossible to make a non-custodial wallet because to get their license after like mint gox and coin check it's basically you have to be rich and play golf with the prime minister to basically get that license so like non-custodial is the only way to do it there really um they got some they got some scar tissue from mount gox no coin check was the main one like mount gox was like whatever but coin check which was like nem right i think that's like still the biggest bank heist in history but that was like when they got really really strict like there were like a bunch of japanese exchanges maybe a bunch one, but I can't, they, they were ready to go with lightning. Like the dev there is like a proper lightning bull. And um, they, they, they almost had it ready to go in like a early phase, but they just couldn't, they couldn't get the green light, unfortunately. Um, just because of coin tech, because of NEM, NEM coin. NEM coin, goddamn NEM coin. Ah, oh, the shit coins. They're never going away. I've, yeah. I've resigned myself to the, the fact. Michael, can I share? Can I sell my rare Pepe's at like a inflated price right now? 
Yeah, always. I feel was doing some auctions, wasn't he? I've got some. I got some rare Pepe's that were given to me by Joe Looney. One one thing that uh one thing that um, Bitcoin twenty twenty one might not give us stage to is the is the rare Pepe type stuff, but uh, but remember the smaller one always will will have a place for the for the freaks. So just letting you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been completely commercialized now. You got Adrian Grenier leading a, an NFT talk at the Bitcoin twenty twenty one. It's really I was like seeing Joe Looney like being angry at Christie's on Twitter, like, no, that's not the first NFT. Like, just like I think he's gonna write a book, isn't he, about it to get like the true history, get the facts down. Well, it's crazy, yeah. Like the revision, because remember, like the ERC twenty rare Pepe's that just completely yeah. They tried to do it, but didn't have the heart, did it? No. Never has the heart. Rare Pepe's with the rise of DeRose and uh, John Seth, unfortunately. Yeah, well, yeah. Was it, didn't he? No, that was Pepe Cash, wasn't it? Was he like sold it to get a car or something? To remodel his kitchen was the joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I haven't. But like, I think Reb, I think Pepe Cash actually pumped because that was actually, it was weird because in Japan there was an exchange called Zyph and they were, they got the license so they were like a proper like japanese fca approved exchange and they basically and the japanese government came out with them um, cryptocurrencies that it allowed so it's like bitcoin ripple ethereum and pepe cash was on there just because zyph had it on so that was one of the reasons why it pumped and i remember going to the um do my tax return in japan and i didn't even pay for a, an accountant so the government gives you like this free accountant and i was like trying to explain to her like what pepe cash was <laughs> do i have to declare this <laughs> You get, a, you get a state uh, ordered accountant, like you get a defense lawyer in the US. If yeah, that's funny. I've never heard of that. That whole entire story is ridiculous. Yeah, it was weird, you know. But then now, like Dogecoin, like the richest man in the world likes Dogecoin, so that's even more ridiculous. Right? <laughs> God, Elon's caused me a lot of headaches this week as a as a Bitcoin miner. It's been that uses fossil fuels as a energy source. It's been a it's been a long week. Him already, like I'm over it. Yeah, well, we're on to um, we're on to ransomware now. Miners, miners have been pushed to the wayside. Ransomware is the big boogeyman in the room. Got to ban Bitcoin because everybody's system security is dog shit. So I want to say where I'm from, Atlanta, something happened big where our something got locked up. I can't remember what. No, it was like a couple of weeks ago. Colonial pipeline. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. It. something to do with like everyone's freaking out about gasoline and filling up garbage bags of gasoline and people in you know, oh, yeah. Yeah, the brightest. So DC like police are like still like negotiating some like ransomware attack as well. Like it's been like months or something that they're releasing all this like spicy information about the police force. So they've been like under lockdown. It's well, well I feel like I every time I hear about the colonial pipeline or whatever or ransomware, it's it's like one day it's like five million dollars, then it's eighty-five million dollars. Yeah. What what was the what was the fallout or how much did they get? What what was well, it? I actually talked uh, to a woman, Dr. Ellen Bald, <clears throat> who's in the oil and gas industry, and she we were supposed to record a podcast two weeks ago, but the whole colonial thing went down. She's like, I can't do it right now. I could like focus on this colonial thing and she dug into it. And so apparently what happens is that the Attackers, they'll basically scour public records for insurance claims by the companies, and they'll find the the amount that the insurance company will cover. And they'll like ask for that amount, 
um, or like somewhere right below that. And so they like target these companies and then like go, hey, I need $10 million. You have a $10 million insurance policy. Um, and so that's how they dictate. It, is it working? Yeah. These scammers have like customer support lines. Like, so like you can yeah. call and they will tell you how to buy Bitcoin. I mean, like they have like full fledged organizations, like agencies, like real employees. Like, I mean, it's no joke. It's like, it's crazy. So, so the best defense against ransomware is not having an insurance policy. <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> it's not worth. It's not a public one, right? Yeah. Apparently, it existed before Bitcoin. Like, obviously, not. It's not as easy to do, but you have like like a PO box. You'd have to like mail it to the money and stuff. Yeah. So somebody. Uh, it's, it's the reason why it's the biggest fud now. Some fintech dude wrote not bad. <laughs> The journal today um and he was like yeah bitcoin's the first time this ransomware has been enabled and like everybody's just mentions like this has been happening since the late 80s like you're you're wrong also, i think that matt odell talked about this in his podcast in a way it's good that they find out their systems are secured and have to pay like you know a large bug bounty rather than like having china and russia hiding in there yeah. secretly you know for like until you know so maybe it's kind of an expensive lesson in a way yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting that um the bitpay guys brought to my attention back like in i think like 2014 or something when i was going to uh those meetups that uh, stephen pear started was uh the idea where you put bitcoin on a super secure server this was also back when like bitcoin was like you know 100 bucks or whatever but you put bitcoin on your servers like where they're easily findable and then you know if they ever get stolen, you know your computer's been compromised or something. Uh, yeah, just anyways, leave I, it. I just, well, I just that file. Well, that's similar to like the theory that Satoshi is an AI that created uh, Bitcoin as a quantum computing alarm system, since his his coins are in a uh, like just paid to public key. Yeah, paid. Yeah. To... You bring up a you bring up a. A very great uh, theory there. I'm, I'm on board with that. I, I, I wouldn't even call it a conspiracy theory. I'll just call it a conspiracy at this point. <laughs> right. Right. So if Satoshi's coins move, maybe an alarm bell that quantum computing's here. It's, uh, it's one of my favorites. John Newberry made me uh, aware of that theory. I like that one. That's, that's something interesting that's come up to me just this week was that. Uh, core developers are not um, fanboys of the hashing of the public keys that get exposed. So uh, for those, just a quick thing for the people a little less technical, the, you know, pay to public key hash, uh, you know, thing where, where, you know, you, you hash the public key and you're paying to a hash of a public key essentially. And, you know, this, this idea where, you know, you're, you have a Bitcoin address instead of paying to the public key, and you know, don't do address reuse. Hey, and by the way, this is awesome. This is also quantum resistant because now you don't expose your public key; you just expose the hash. And when you spend it, it's only a very short period of time between where it's in the mempool and then locked into the blockchain that you can actually be, um, you know, potentially quantum hacked or whatever. And and I, I've always heard that as one of the you know selling points for hashing the public key and pay the public key hash and stuff. And and now with Taproot, where completely getting away from that right so um i, I think it's interesting and then peter Voile uh on bitcoin stack overflow 
uh, made, made his opinion very clear where, you know, public keys should be public and kind of, you know, it will freak out maybe if, if Satoshi's coins get moved, but really there's no reason to. Uh, I, say, I love Andreas, but I think a lot of this is stuff that Andreas said in like 2015 that like the core devs never said. Well, I, okay. So I, I want to say at one point in time, I think they were on board with the idea that hashing the public key maybe would make them future quantum proof, you know, whatever. I, and, and, and wasn't the initial, maybe at least for a time they were okay with that. Right. But now that's definitely not the case. Right. Yeah. If the quantum computer does come, like we got bigger problems than Bitcoin. Okay. Well, it depends how big Bitcoin is by then. That's true. Because, you know, it's funny that that's that that was like a great talking point early days. It's like, you know, quant the quantum computer question comes up a lot, like as FUD, right? And and legitimate or not, it, it, the, the answer to that was very simple. It's if quantum computers come around, we got way bigger problems with Bitcoin. But now I'm thinking like, shit, 10 years later, I'm like, Bitcoin's becoming pretty big and important. And I, you know, another 10 years from now, it's like, <laughs> you can't use that. You can't. You can't say you know we got bigger problems because you know Bitcoin will be the money potentially for everything, right? So yeah. um, that's when you got to prioritize it, or <laughs> prioritize it. Like uh, there are algorithms that I won't say ready, but they're out there, right? But I guess it's just like there's no point like rushing them and putting them in now, right? But I guess everybody would need to like yeah, there's yeah, all the like quantum. Res like quantum resistant cryptography right now is like pretty much crap in terms of space. And I saw an ICO for it. it made oh, a lot God. <laughs> to do the research for it? No, like it's a quantum resistant blockchain. You didn't yeah. buy into it? Was it just me? Like every transaction is like a couple megabytes or something. Yeah, I mean, then you you pretty much have it, right? That, but that's those are like huge requirements that Bitcoin doesn't have to deal with right now. Yeah, we came to talk... Uh gaming on the lightning network and now we're stoking quantum fud that's ah, fun to talk about this shit ah when's everybody getting to miami i'm not allowed out by my prime minister and not allowed in by your president what's going on over there man what's going on it's like the uk and canada i want to come break you guys free i mean we're not much better off in the northeast part of the country but at least there's i guess the dull thing is like all the freedom people left England to go to America, right? So maybe, you know, um, so that's probably part of it. And I don't know, it's weird because we have a conservative government, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to go down like a rabbit hole with UK politics here, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's strange because, yeah, like, you, you remember like Tony Blair, probably he was. Yeah, I mean, Bush were. Uh, so he was Labour, which Labour, I would say, is similar to your Democrats. But he wasn't like a proper old school Democrat. So you have like proper old school Democrats who probably like, like the working class, etc. We had the same thing with Labour, but then he changed to more this kind of like a metropolitan party, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what the Democrats are here. Too. Yeah, we have the similar thing with Labour, but he was very, very popular. And, you know, because Tony Blair was popular. And since then, in order to get back into power, the Conservative Party basically became Blair right party. So they kind of, to get yeah. elected. So really they're a party who will get elected rather than having principles is what I'm saying. So like what a conservative party should stand for, I suppose is generally small government, et cetera, et cetera. But to be fair, I would say actually our prime minister, I think at his heart, he is quite for liberty and liberal, but 
the, we weren't going to lock down initially, but the public demanded it, to be fair. So re really, it was actually from the public, which is strange. So in a way, I don't blame the government too much because it wasn't like they were pressing the people. The people were like, hey, why aren't you locking this down? Italy is locked down. That's kind of how it all started in my experience. But... It never ends. Man, that's such a lame excuse. Well, if the Italians are doing it, we have to do it. When did that <laughs> oh, ever come? Man, I'm really happy that Literally. America isn't like, well, the Italians are doing it. We have to do it. Well, how it started, like, so we had a plan which was similar to Sweden and even Japan. Japan didn't lock down, actually, because they couldn't, because Americans basically wrote their constitution for them. So they couldn't really lock down, but they, like, advised people. And for the most part, people kind of followed the rules and were sensible. But in England, yeah, we were following a, a similar plan. And um, heard you guys are uh, allowed to hug again. Sorry? You guys are allowed to hug each other again. This yeah, is, that's crazy. But yeah, like I was like chief scientist behind this, a guy called Niall Ferguson. He even said in an interview, we didn't think lockdown was possible until we saw China do it. And then we knew we could get away with it. Like literally verbatim, he said that. <laughs> like, the guy with so, the models too? Was that Niall Ferguson or was that somebody? Right? The, the dude who made the models and then like yeah he, he made the imperial model and here's the thing which he didn't get the press so he made the imperial model oh, yeah. to, to be fair he is a scientist his job is to do the worst case scenario so i don't blame him for that but he actually broke lockdown to have an affair with a, with a mistress and then like that was just like not picked up like they mentioned it once in the news but but like he he resigned from his job and then got a new job basically working for a new secret government thing who found like all the new variants like the new indian variant and stuff so it's a bit weird but yeah, yeah. doing research chris doing research yeah with this mystery. Yeah. you know like like you know what i thought was funny is the montreal came out and I, i'm guessing maybe other places came out with how to do safe sex during covid mentioned <laughs> what'd you say if you're like advocating for glory holes yeah like like whoa like that and like hey make sure you face away from that person you know when you're having intercourse and like just be, try try doggy instead of missionary and it's like wait whoa like pay to write that shit like that's my question like i need that job because that's hilarious like you just must like sit around and like drink and like be high all day to come up with well, like you don't know if it's a troll or if they're being serious and it's published by like the government or something or like i don't oh, know you have these government workers sitting in the room they're game theory like ah oh, fuck man people are definitely still going to have sex but we need to make sure they're doing it safely like let's brainstorm here whiteboard safest way to have sex without uh getting droplets on each other glory hole done put it in the paper send it out to the public cut a hole in everyone say glory hole or are you just being ridiculous i'm de being dead serious they were gonna have to, well, i'm dying you're gonna have to start filling in all these holes after covid and lock up lock it's a job stimulate the economy somehow when you turn it let everybody back out yeah okay Stim stimulate the economy by filling up the holes i got you okay you guys there's just so much sexual innuendo going on. it's not innuendo it's very straightforward <laughs> advice all right Michael, Des, I'll see you in Miami. Yeah, I'll be there Monday. I will not be there Monday. I wish I was getting there Monday. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited that uh, because there's so many Bitcoiners in the city at one time, there's all these events going on, which is going to keep everyone pretty occupied. I, I, 
my only fear is because Zebedee has such a big uh, presence at, uh, at Bitcoin 2021 that I'm not going to be able to go out and see other things because of everything that's going on with our, <laughs> yeah. our, our area. You know, and we might have the coolest area, which which is good. So at least uh, people will come to you. People will come to you. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, Kindle's gonna be hosting actually. So it'll be fun. TikTok's gonna be hosting. What'd you say? Kidwell's gonna be hosting. Uh-huh. Michael is. <laughs> Kidwell is what they call me. Kidwell. Mike Twenty, I guess is the name. Mike, Mike Twenty One. Because uh, speaking about Halo Two, <laughs> it's Mike Twenty, Mike Twenty. You know, all these things were taken on Xbox Live. I had to come up with something, and it worked. And I just use that for the rest of my life. So yeah. Yeah. Life story right there. The gamer tag that never left. Got tagged to me. Make sure to download Zebedee Wallet and get your gamer tag now. Yeah. Mine is Daz. If anybody wants to send me Sats, D E S. Get the shills in. What else do we need to shill here? Download, download Zebedee. On the Zebedee Wallet, join the Mintgox Discord and the Zebedee Discord. Um, follow us on Twitter. All the cool stuff is there. No link to all that. Even if you're not in person in Miami, you can still join the tournaments virtually. But yeah, yeah the Discord to join and get in on this like, Hundred million sats of prizes. Yeah, so we are streaming like the whole two days to our Twitch, the Minkbox Twitch. So we're going to be doing like things that the audience can participate in remotely. So the CS:GO servers are open twenty four hours, and I'm sure that we're going to up the amount during the conference because we have to give away a whole Bitcoin. We're going to have like quizzes and stuff, which will give away sats. Um, Bitcoin rally tournaments. We're going to have like uh, Sarah Toby, like my mobile game, and Jack from Thunder Games. He's doing something so yeah even if you're not going to the conference you can still get involved i feel like we're going to make a lot of millionaires at this conference <laughs> like we're going to give away millions of sats to many many people i have a feeling get your ass to miami or get your ass on the discord and then the mint Gox. i'll see you freaks i'll see two of you in miami and chris you'll be missed it's always a pleasure peace and love freaks <laughs>